Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What is going on, Paddle and Fin Nation? Matt Gibson here with another show uh, doing Fishing for Noobs again, uh, filling in for Sean while he's taking care of some family stuff. Uh, thoughts and prayers to you, Sean, and your family, bud. Hope you get back soon. Tonight's going to be a little bit of an interesting one for me. Um, bringing on Matt Nuttall from Moving Water Outfitters. Uh, that's that's where I've, I've met Matt, and Matt's a fly fisherman, so a little bit of change of pace for us. Going to talk some fly fishing, and particularly fly fishing for smallmouth. Um, so without further ado, I will bring on our guest tonight, Mr. Matt Nuttall. Welcome, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to see you, bud. Hey, you too, man. Uh, I know we've been seeing a lot of each other with the boat show going on, but not really. I mean, we really haven't talked much fishing. It's mostly been kayak stuff and uh, some stuff we can't talk about on the air. Yeah, a lot of new <laughs> canoe stuff and a lot of stuff not on the air. That is correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you would, just take a brief moment, kind of introduce yourself, uh, some background and, and all that fun stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, my name is Matt Nuttall, and uh, I've been fishing since I could hold a pole. I grew up on the southeast side of Franklin Township, and we had a bunch of land and a pond, so there was three things to do, hunt, fish, or chop wood. Um, so, yeah, I've been fly fishing since I've been about eight years old. I really haven't conventional fish since I was probably 16 or 17. Um, really focused on that. In the last year, I've started my own guide business, my own tying business called Fight and Flies. Um, and then I work at the shop full time. So you can pretty much say I, I fish or tie or guide for a living. Uh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know. It's been what a month ago now. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get out in a, in a wrap with you and, and do a little predator fishing. I know that's, that's something that you're kind of getting into and, and looking at this year for your guide service as well. Oh yeah. I'm super excited. Uh, you know, the day we went, you know, the, the funniest part of the day was the next morning I wake it up and her stomach still hurt and face hurt oh, yeah. from laughing so much and 
had a really good day, got some really good pike, nice size, heavy pike, and even missed a muskie that day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a hoot. It was great. And you got to see us fly fishermen at work and a little bit at our expense. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I've been around fly fishermen, uh, for a long time, uh, with, with supporting moving water outfitters and before that wildcat Creek outfitters. Um, and I would say that some of, some of the best friends I have in this world are fly fishermen, but I don't fly fish. And like, you guys have like all the, like, uh, like, all these crazy names for flies and, <laughs> and all that stuff. So I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about most of the time. Uh, but man, what, what I find really, really interesting anyways, is I come up to the shop news, you know, you guys have that group of guys that come in and those group of guys have now embraced me. And and we just talk fishing, man. That, that's, that's what it comes down to. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it was really great getting out with you and Ian uh, on the water. Uh, definitely opened my eyes and and just seeing the technique differences between conventional fishing and fly fishing and kind of where worlds collide. I think that was that was just awesome. And for anybody out there that that is intimidated by fly fishermen or 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 any of that, um, I would encourage you to become friends with those guys because they have a ton of knowledge of of things that uh, uh, going on in in the water uh, and on land and and they, they are very very tuned into what's going on so i would encourage uh anybody out there to reach out to a fly fisherman and, and don't hesitate in doing that yeah and it's you know it's funny you say that because one of the stereotypes of fly fishing is it's like a very hoity-toity uh uppity mm-hmm. you know kind of sport well if you've talked to me for more than 13 seconds you'd realize that's just not who i am yeah. i'm a good old boy just like everybody else uh just love to be out on the water. The whole point is, for me, I, I don't care if you're conventional fishing, fly fishing, tinkara, whatever you're doing. I want you out on the water because that's what's going to be best for us, both physically and emotionally, honestly. Um, and that's what it's all about is sharing stories. I was no less excited about when Ian caught his pike on his fly rod than when you caught yours on God knows what that lure was called because yeah. – uh, you've got some crazy names too (laughs) yeah in all fairness we do too yeah that was a that was a slobber knocker uh yeah (laughs) yeah i remember the first time you said that i was like yeah 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 what's it called again (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly but i you know i kind of want to focus tonight on if we can a little bit on uh kind of river fishing and particularly uh kind of smallmouth um so if a guy was just starting out with fly fishing um what are what are kind of the must have obviously he's got to have a rod and reel right yeah i mean you know so first off i only fly fish on rivers you know it's very very rare maybe once a year i get out on a lake or once a year i get out on um, salt water so i'm all about river fishing so for starting out what you really need is a rod and a reel uh set up and the whole idea of the thousand dollar rods and the thousand dollar reels and stuff like that really doesn't it's it's not what you need um especially starting out it's the way i compare it is to people who drink bourbon and really love bourbon would you give somebody your nicest bottle of bourbon who's never had bourbon before well no because they wouldn't be able to appreciate it or really know and same with fly fishing. When you're trying to spend money on your gear, the number one thing you should put your money into is your fly line because that's going to make everything easier for you. Your rod, 
Then after that, your waiting gear, everything else is at the bottom. Your reel is the least important thing, especially with um, smallmouth. So I really recommend getting combo kits. And I'm a big Farbanks guy or Sage guy. And uh, Reddington makes a combo called the Wrangler kit. It's perfect for smallmouth. Six weight is about ideal for smallmouth in Indiana. Um, you know, that's what you just need to start out with. And you, when you say six weight, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, so uh, the way the rods are are labeled are based off their weight and the length. And so you, you go from zero all the way up to 16. 90% of your fly fishermen are going to be using things between four to 10 at the most. Um, and so what you just need to know is like the weight of the rod doesn't really represent the fish. It represents the fly you're going to throw. Okay. So the six weight's perfect for you can throw you know, top water, subsurface, or deep flies. And then this this might impress you a little bit, but, <laughs> but the uh, you, you actually size the line that same way. Is that right yep. or no? Okay. I, as as usual, I am impressed by you. <laughs> um, and yes, no, you're absolutely right. So you you size the line, um, but really you size the line based off of what you're going to do. So like for smallmouth, 90% of the time you're throwing streamers. Uh, not a lot of guys are going out there bobber fishing uh, for smallmouth. And if you are, God bless you. It's just not not my not my party. Um, and so what I actually do with fly fishing, or I'm sorry, streamer fishing for smallmouth, is I like to have a heavier weighted line. So they actually make lines that may be a six weight, but it's weighted like an eight weight. And so that helps you as somebody who's new, it actually helps you load the rod and cast farther and cast better. Gotcha. Gotcha. When you talk, you know, it's kind of streamer fishing. That's, uh, that's know, basically I'm... all conventional fishing. So everything you do conventional fishing is essentially a streamer where right. you're trying to imitate a bait fish or a crawdad or some sort of moving object for, as prey. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, uh, so that Reddington combo, uh, kind of, Kind of what's the what's the price tag on something like that? Yeah, so it's two forty nine ninety nine ninety nine. But the best part about it with that combo is that it comes with a rod, reel, fly line, case, leader. Which leader is the actual like what you guys would call fishing line mm -hmm. that goes to the fly or the lure, and all of that is included inclu also with a lifetime warranty by uh by Farbanks, which is a subsidiary, you know, Reddington Sage. They're just absolutely amazing. I've never had any problem. I guide with Wranglers, um, and they're just a very budget-friendly system. Yeah, I know. It seems like every time I'm in the shop, those things are – it seems like somebody comes in and buys one. So. Yeah, so, I mean, it's – you know, we try to be a very honest shop. And when you come in and said, hey, you know, I've never fly fished before, the first thing I'm doing is I'm taking you away from the expensive rods – um, you just don't feel honest doing that. Uh, I guess in your kind of world, it'd be like somebody who's never fished before starting off with a top of the line Shimano reel, right? Yeah. 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 And, you know, kind of, kind of getting into, uh, uh kind of the must haves of, of fly fishing, you know, if you had, can you walk us through, you know, three or four or five mm -hmm. you know, must have flies and kind of describe what they are. I know for me, like, I'm a topwater junkie, so I'm like, give me the popper all the time. That's all I want to throw. But I understand, like, right now, for instance, here in Indiana, you know, it, it's in the 40s, 50 degrees, so uh, topwater is just not going to be there. Yeah, it, you know, it's really interesting because I'm the exact opposite. 
I love streamers and watching the fish chase and, and hit those a lot more than top water. Now, do I fish top water a lot? Yes, because that's what my clients want to do. Mm -hmm. um, but what I've kind of noticed is the, you really get some big, big fish that are chasing bait um, because it's a quick, easy meal and really trying to figure out how to present those bait to them so that it looks like it's in distress. Um, a really good example, smallmouth love to sit in slower water. And so you throw the fly into current and it kind of tumbles. They'll come out and use the momentum of the current to hit that fly and try to get back to the, it's the least amount of effort as possible. It's kind of like 3 a.m. on a Saturday ordering Taco Bell for us, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that's what's great. But so like, you know, one of the flies that we talk about is like this one right here. I just so happen to have some. I'm in my office with my desk and it's this right here. It's called a bad hair day. And as you can see, it just looks like a giant fluff ball. Okay. It looks yeah. looks like nothing, looks looks like nothing. It looks terrible. But if I would take this and make this wet, it kind of slicks back into like a minnow pattern now. Yeah. And so when this moves in the water, it moves side to side. And this is, in my opinion, my number one uh, smallmouth fly. If yeah, I'm so, fishing, this is what I'm using. So, so to equate that to a conventional uh, lure, I would, you know, I, the best way I could describe it would be a fluke. It looks very flukish to me, soft water or a soft mm -hmm. plastic uh, uh, jerkbait style. Um, the, yeah, that, and it I, moves like a glide bait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's so, the right term. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I think that's a that's very accurate. Um, is it? Do you get wrapped up in colors with that, or is it always white? Or so the pattern that I fish with, you can tie it in any kind of color you want. And in my box, my guide box, you'll see it in about seven different colors. Of the seven different colors, I only fish this color. <laughs> uh, I'll fish the other colors if they ask for it, but um, it's kind of hard to see with the camera, but it's all white with some flash. And then at the very top here is this what's called gray minnows, uh, uh, minnow belly. Okay. And because of the way it moves in that white, it's a visual eat. So the same reason, Matt, why you like top water, this is why I like streamers. It's everything's visual. You'll not feel anything. This thing will just be going along, and then out of nowhere, you'll see an 18, 19 inch smallmouth come up oh, and inhale now, it. Let's not lie now. Like 18, 19 inch fish. Have you ever caught one of those? Uh, so I have, yes. The, big, uh, <laughs> the biggest smallmouth I've ever caught was actually on the white, and it was a 19 and a half inch smallmouth on this exact fly. Yeah, I'll make um, sure to edit out that, that river that you just mentioned. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's not, it's not commonly known. I meant, uh, yeah, I meant yeah. Uh, Kinkakee or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, yeah. And I had a client pull a twenty-one and a half inch uh, smallmouth off of a Clouser form that we call a purple dart, which would be my number two uh, fly to recommend, especially for newcomers. There's, um, there's not a lot of skill to it. So when you throw it out, you can just retrieve it as slow or as fast as you want. The hook point rides up mm -hmm. so that when you hit logs, it just climbs kind of all over it. And uh, it's a it's a very deadly and effective fly. It kind of looks like nothing, but looks like everything again. And what was that one called again? It's called a purple dart. You can look it up under Orvis's catalog. Essentially, it's a Clouser minnow with purple on one side and brown on the other. Um, I actually have one right here. So this is a purple dart. 
Gotcha. Okay. And so, as you can see here, it, it, there's nothing to it. There's flash, there's brown bucktail, and there's uh, purple ice dub. And for some reason, on a certain river that I fish a lot, um, this is just a very deadly fly. Again, both of these flies were actually introduced to me by Jeff Conrad. Jeff Conrad is another guide um, who is a very dear friend of mine and has really taught me a lot. And those are the two flies I fish the most uh, next to a um, crayfish pattern of some sort. So those, those two we just talked about, kind of minnow-ish, like bait fishes, bait fish style baits or, or flies, sorry. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What situations and kind of what water and what, you know, what, what are you looking for when you're throwing that versus something else? Yeah. So, um, as I said, the bad hair day is one of those flies that, you know, if you're asking me as a guide, I'm looking for clear conditions. I'm looking for clear water. I'm looking for, so when I'm, when I'm guiding, I tell all my clients, we're looking for three things, right? We're looking for structure. We're looking for transitions and we're looking for moving water, okay? Those are the three things that we're looking for. If you get two of those things together, you can almost guarantee there's a fish there. If you get all three together, it, it's a guarantee we'll get a fish. Because um, <clears throat> the smallmouth just loves sitting on that structure and, and ambushing into that. So those the, the bad hair days when I look for that the most, okay? Now, that being said, when I personally go fish, I'll go fish it all the time because it's just my favorite fly. The purple dart is when I pull that out, that is kind of like my Hail Mary. This will catch anything, whether it's perfect out or if it's muddy as could be. It's going to pull fish off the bottom. It'll pull fish at four to eight inches. Um, it also is a really good fly based off its size that will catch uh, rock bass. It'll catch all kinds of different panfish. We've actually caught a nine-pound catfish off of this fly, which was my client about died um, <laughs> uh, on a, on a six weight rod where, where the catfish it probably should have been on like a nine weight rod. Yeah. It'll just catch a little bit of everything. And so um, it, especially if you're first starting off, this is the fly we're going to start with. So we get some early success and then we can really explore the rest of the day. Kind of a confidence bait or I'm sorry, I keep on calling it a bait confidence fly. For, you can call it a bait. It's the whole this whole line between conventional fly fishing doesn't really exist. It's yeah. it's a bait. It's a lure. It's a fly. It's whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So that, that's that's a real confidence builder for for your clients and and sometimes for you. Yeah. I I mean you know as a guide you're going out. There is nothing better than in the first twenty minutes you get a smallmouth. In the rest of the day it's like whoo. All right yeah. now. Now, as a guide, I can kind of relax and enjoy and instructing the clients. So, are you are you throwing those like like if you and I went out right now? Would you take those two baits with you right right there, or those two flies with you? Yeah, your... I wouldn't take the bad hair day because right now, um, and, and you know, I've been seeing a lot of people saying they're catching smallmouth right right now uh, subsurface, and that's great. 
Um, I, I I would love to see it. I, it's not something I would probably okay. put a lot of uh, merit into or a lot of faith into. I'd be fishing off the bottom right now, looking at wintering holes, and that's what this right here, this clouser will sit on the bottom, and you can drag it. Gotcha. Um, and and you can even throw it and literally hit structure with it and let it bounce off of it and try to get a reaction bite out of that. So yeah, I, I would be fishing. This is kind of where I'd be going to right now is it's a crayfish imitation. Um, again, as I told you, you know, half of my business is uh, tying flies. So this is just kind of like a version of a, a crayfish I tie. It's a guide's version. It's really quick. I'm sure there's a pattern out there. It's, it's not mine. That doesn't really exist anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, but all this is, is just a heavy dumbbell eye and it's just the right color of a crayfish for Indiana, which we all know there's different color crayfish, but just kind of moves along the bottom. It's got rubber legs. Essentially, if you find a fly that has flash rubber legs and zonker, which is, this is what this has. Zonker is like a rabbit strip. Gotcha. It, it's almost guaranteed to catch a fish. Okay. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's like, uh, what smallmouth really like. Yeah, I mean, just looking at a conventional side, I would call that like a finesse football head jig is is kind of what it reminds me of. So. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so that's three. What what else you have? What else you have there? Yeah, so uh, the next fly what? that I would say is my absolute favorite fly to fish and to tie and to sell. And uh, I don't have a... I don't have one in front of me, actually, which is shocking since it's the one I tie the most. Um, but it's actually called a dungeon. And so if you look at my business loco, and I'm sorry, but um, that's kind of called a dungeon. And if you look it up, it's a Kelly Gallup's version. Um, it's actually the actual name of it is a sex dungeon. But, you know, typically in the shop, I just call it dungeon. Um, and it's an articulated fly to look like a bait fish. And I tie that into a shad pattern. Okay. And... It, in central Indiana, it just absolutely kills. But you know so the that's thing. One that, that's one you're like you're you're moving. Like you're, yeah, that one's going to be more intermediate to you know expert level when you're fishing it because it's two hooks. Um, okay. It's articulated. It can be as small as my pinky, but it can be as long as six inches. When we went pike fishing that one day, the the fly that Ian was throwing at first was considered a sex dungeon, and okay. it was seven inches long. Yeah, and, and what's really interesting, you hit on it earlier, and what I was really surprised with coming from the conventional side and watching what you guys were doing um, is is how how much you guys are really using that current in your favor to make mm -hmm. a fly kind of, I'll call it drift, uh, drift and then bob down and then be very, very natural. I know that's one thing that I picked up almost immediately with what you guys were doing and and it, it, it's, are you thinking, and you're setting up your fly and your cast kind of along that same route? Yeah. And so we're actually even tying our flies in the same route. So we want our, so a lot of times conventional fishing, you guys get a lot of like a reaction bite out of like, yeah. so like spinner baits are, um, from what I remember, are very reactionary. Yep. Um, so flies really aren't like we're trying to imitate what they see in the water every now and then we'll tie some crazy color that they never see. And, but you know, you, you're very right. And like, okay, so I've got a downward, um, fast current and that's going to go into this log. So I'm going to throw three feet above it so that when it swings, I want it to go just underneath that log. Um, 
and that's how close and precise we're trying to be. Gotcha. Now, that being said, there are limitations, and you made quite a note of it, is the distance that we can throw, right? Um, We got to really wind up and get a nice, you know, cast if we're trying to throw, you know, 40, 50 plus feet, um, or you guys can kind of just rip it. Yeah, I mean, and and, and I'll tell – I'll tell the story on myself a little bit here, but as we were fishing, uh, you know, and, and watching the guys, you know, I was in the back of the raft. So I, I, I was really trying to, to focus on what they were doing to try to try to learn from, from these guys, which I'm, I, I learned a tremendous amount that day. But one of the things I said is, Hey, I'm not trying to be a blank here, but, <laughs> but is that as far as you guys can cast? And both of you, Dag on there, broke your necks looking back at me. <laughs> like it was the worst thing I ever said. And Everything you, you said was just accurate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it is amazing. It was, it was really, you know, telling to me how close you guys really are to the fish and in comparison to what us conventional guys worry about. Yeah, I mean, we really try to. I mean, so I, I know we're talking about smallmouth, but pike in particular. I mean, we we really try to look at exactly what, where they are, what they're doing, what depth, and even like we try to match like colors, right? Um, where smallmouth is not as much. I mean, usually there's about four or five different colors I use, and there's certain patterns, and there's a couple techniques I do. Uh, but I can almost knock on wood guarantee you're going to catch smallmouth. They're going to catch a big one. You know, I hope so, but right. I can guarantee that where with pike, it's much more, it's a predator fish. You really have to think about them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and it's interesting because there's other guys out there that they'll fish completely different than I do and mm-hmm. they'll be just as successful, which is, which is awesome. That's why yeah. it, it's almost like it's an, its own art. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a do you have a few more flies there that, that you want to show us and kind of talk yeah, through his favorite? Yeah, sure. Um yeah, sure. Let me give me a second. Let me see what I got. Oh, he, I mean, this is just uh another confidence one that you kind of said, um, talked about earlier. So this all this is is a leech fly. That's all this is, is trying to look like a leech. And it's obviously a bigger one for small mouth and um, it's an egg sucking leech and, and honestly, are there egg sucking leeches in our water? Uh, no, but it has zonker, which is that rabbit. So when it gets wet, it moves and it's got rubber legs and it's and got it's a black. hot, and it's, and it's got a hot spot and it's black. Right. So yeah. like, it's just, it, it just has everything that you'd kind of want out of a fly to move around and to catch, to catch smallmouth Cause it's just, you're trying to mimic that. And then the, I guess the last one I'll show you is actually, I will say this one is actually my design. So this is a smallmouth fly that I've kind of been working on and designing. So the whole thing is I'm trying to look for something that's quick to tie and that's really effective. And so I haven't thought of a name or anything like that for this. Let me see if I can grab something that will hold it easily. So. I don't have a name I said as for this yet, but, but yeah, so all it is, is like, you know, you know how I I keep saying, and if you ever hang around me in person, you'll hear me say it, zonker, flash, rubber legs, so guarantee, well, this one has all of that, so it has a zonker tail, it's got some red mallard here to give it like a gill plate, it's got some splash in it, 
and it's got some dubbing in the front with rubber legs so that when this gets wet, it completely compresses and looks like a glass like minnow. And then yeah. these legs flutter. Um, like I said, I've been working on this, especially for anybody who fishes in Indiana in middle July to uh, arguably September, it's low, low, low water. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what this is for. The eyes on here are dumb are B chain, which are very, very light. So this thing will float in about one to two inches of water. So when the when these flies get wet, man, you know, and they slick down, do they do they stay that way or do they will they actually come back? Do they No, so they'll actually slick down, which is why you know, one of the things I always tell people when I tie flies is I tie flies to catch fish, not fishermen, right? Yeah. I'll make them as beautiful as you want. But the realistic is what does it look like when it's wet, right? Yeah. And so that fly I just showed you, you know, I got it wet. And so now it's completely slicked down. So when I tie this fly, that's actually what I want it to look like. Yeah. So the soft materials that are in here and even the flash that's kind of sticking out, when I pull this in the water, it's going to move like this. Um, very fluke-like, as you were talking earlier. Like, we're trying to make that movement um, to get the fish. And as you can see, the hook's sticking out pretty well now. So there's not a interference with that hook gape. But it stays slicked down, and what you want is, like, when you pull and you stop, yeah. is the material will pulse. And that is what drives them nuts. Gotcha. Gotcha. So to recap, we go through your, your top five there again real quick. Yeah, so top five, uh, I would have to say probably my number one is my bad hair day, yeah. the one I fish the absolute most. Number two would have been the sex dungeon. Uh, I don't have a uh, one in front of me, but it looked like my logo. After that, you know, the confidence builder would be that purple dart. It's probably the one that clients fish the most with me. Um, after that would be then, of course, some sort of crawled at or crayfish imitation. Gotcha. And then the last one would be the, the one that I'm kind of working on. And a lot of people watching this would be like, did you really just say out of all your small mouth, none of them are top water? Yes. You know, yes. It's, it's, it's my, just my opinion that dollars worth a cup of coffee. And a lot of people, if you're going to fish top water, um, you're going to want a blue boogle bug. That's all you need. Yeah. I have one, uh, yeah, I have one fly rod, and it has one of those tied on it. Yeah, blue boogle bug is the uh, probably the most favorite top water fly, minus a wiggle minnow. But starting out, I would not start with a wiggle minnow because uh, it can be very technical on how to hook the fish. Yeah, and you can miss a lot of fish if you are instead of strip setting, you're kind of. We call it trout setting, but really it's like Bassmaster Classic setting, right? It's uh, it's the, like how Ian set the hook. The, the Ian, the Ian set a sack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So I, I guess that brings up, you know, it, it sounds like you you kind of set us straight. You, you're kind of setting us down that line. Uh, you've got five five flies to kind of start out somebody with. It sounds like they all do kind of something different. So. I guess should we talk about the cast next or should we talk about the hook set next? Um, I would probably say talk about the hook set. And, and you know, and before we go any farther, 
um, you know, I'm at moving water every single day. We give, uh, we have free fly fishing classes in the spring where we actually teach how to cast and all of that. Again, that's free. Um, we do private lessons as well, but you know, if it's something you really want to be interested in or find out more information about, please feel free to call moving water and ask for me, uh, or Mike, Mike's the owner. He's absolutely awesome. He's a great fisherman as well. Um, there, there's not a dumb question, you know, we're trying to break down barriers, like just reach out to us and we're here to help however we can. Yeah, I will say, man, I've been in some fly shops before and I felt extremely uncomfortable as soon as you walk into moving water outfitters, it is, it is like coming home, man. Like it's, it's, you know, like everybody in there's, you know, it's just like cheers, you know, (laughs) norm, you know, (laughs) the whole deal. Um, but I, I guess one question for you, man, like how, when you're out there on the road, you know, cause not all of our listeners are, are here in central Indiana, but mm-hmm. you know, a lot of listeners are, are in the Midwest here, but how do you find a good fly shop? Like what are the telltale signs of a good solid fly shop? Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, that's a great question because, as you know, I travel all over fishing. Like I fish, um, I fished, you know, last year, I think I fished in seven different states, three different countries. And uh, I just have been all over, whether I'm fishing or helping people or being at shows and things like that. So a couple things that I would say that I look for in like a really great fly shop. Um, The first thing I'm looking, and by the way, all three things have nothing to do with what's in the store. Okay. So, so when I go into a good fly shop, the last thing I'm really looking at is what's in the store. Um, the first thing I'm looking at is like, when I come in, am I greeted? Am I acknowledged? Um, and, and then, you know, my favorite thing, and if you come into our store, I guarantee I'll ask you this. I'll ask you, so you've been fishing? Yep. Um, and, and be able to have that conversation about fishing. And then the last one that I really look for in a fly shop is information. Um, there's this real big stereotype in fly fishing of like gatekeeping. And I know that's the same way in conventional fishing where people don't want to talk about river they're on or anything like that. And, you know, as a fly shop, you're there as like a encyclopedia. And so if you're coming in and you want to become a better trout fisherman or bass fisherman, or you want to catch fish here or there, um, to be able to have the knowledge, to be able to have that discussion with you and share that information and not gatekeep it, um, you know, if you ask me about how, what's the best way to fish the White River, my response shouldn't be, well, if you book a guy to trip with me, I'll, I'll show you. No, right. it should be, okay, well, what do you have right now? What are you doing? You know, okay, what budget do you have? Or, or, or even like, as you know, we stock, when I say we, Mike Exel, who's amazing in Trout Limited Central Indiana, um, helps stock Eagle Creek. And so when people come in, they'll ask me, what are they eating? I will... I have no problem going to the exact fly that I use or that I even tie and sell in the store and even show them where I was at and techniques on how I'm doing it. Um, Now, that being said, in order to have such an experience like that in a fly shop, you also need to follow some norms going into a fly shop. Um, You know, if you're going to go in and ask information, don't leave without buying something. You, You don't need to buy thousand dollar rod every time you ask about a good place to fish buy some stickers buy some flies you know support um our local brick and mortar because if we don't they're going to be gone 
Yeah, I mean that's that's one thing I'm huge on, and and I always talk about in the kayak community is support those that support you, uh, because if you don't, they're gone. And and yeah, you're right. Mike Exel is probably one of the most solid guys I know when it comes to uh, supporting any type of community. He supports the hell out of uh, uh, any any fly fishing thing. Uh, heroes on the water, the you know all, all of the veterans things, uh, fishing. He he's uh, pivotal in uh, stocking that stocking program uh, with the with the trout. Uh, on the kayak side, uh, he's helped with regional events. He's helped with local events. He's helped with Indiana kayak anglers. He's helped with. So yeah, I mean, in and I kind of asked you that loaded question there. Uh, of how do you how do you uh, pick out a good fly shop? If you Google Moving Water Outfitters, you're going to see their names associated with a lot of different things. So yeah. I would encourage you to Google stuff like that, and you're going to see who supports community and who doesn't very quickly. Yeah, and you know what's funny? I know Mike's my boss and all that stuff, but I mean, one he would be losing his mind right now if he knew we were, were talking about him. Oh yeah. Um, super humble guy would, you would never know of anything that he does. You, you yeah. really wouldn't. Yeah. Um, but no, he definitely goes out of his way. I mean, one of our biggest partners in the shop is project healing waters where um, we help with either discounts or, or materials or guiding mm-hmm. or instructions for um, veterans and helping them cope. Um, I led, you know, a, a fly tying class for a group of 22 veterans that I had an absolute amazing time with. We did a guided trip with eight ladies who were veterans. Um, I mean, just that kind of stuff. Being in the community and being involved is really important to me. And uh, is it easier and cheaper to buy stuff online? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I'm going to just be honest. It is. Um, I would argue as a fly tire that you're never going to know what materials you're going to get. Yeah. Um, but it, but even before I was associated working with moving waters, um, they really showed their colors to me really at the beginning and really took care of me. And, you know, I, if we don't take care of each other, no one will. And, yeah. and that's, so even if something drastic would happen and I would change careers, moving waters will always have my business. Yeah. And, and I might get a little, little, uh, uh, hate about this, I guess, but I mean, same way on the conventional side, stop buying from tackle warehouse get up and go to Schwartz's tackle, stop ordering from Cabela's and get your ass in a local shop because they will disappear on us and we need them. And it's the same way on the fly side, get out there, support those businesses that support Mm -hmm. you and your community. Yeah. And and by the way, Schwartz is actually a great store. I've been in it before and I don't know what half the stuff is in there, but when I walked in, the first thing is, you know, they asked me, are you fishing today? Yep. And and don't get me wrong, I'm in all fishing clothes, so yes, yep. I am. But um but <laughs> yeah. no, I mean they're just they're just great people and uh um I'm up by them a lot. Yeah. Um yeah, so yeah, I mean and they help provide access to the river and, and all yes, kinds of they stuff. do. So yeah, you know, that's another important part of it too, is 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 making sure that, that we still have that access to to our rivers and things. Uh, yeah if if you're reading anything that's going on out west it is terrifying i mean and that's actually more on the fly side honestly Mm -hmm. because there's all these rivers that are being owned now privately where you can't even touch the water yeah um and and as a kind of like a hot take like 
and I understand this isn't a popular opinion and that's fine. I don't believe anybody should be able to own the water period. I, I don't mm -hmm. care if there's a gated community. I think if it's water, um, we should have access to it period. Um, yeah, I totally agree. And, and, and there's a lot of people that don't agree with that. And I'm 100% fine with that. Yep. Um, uh, it's just a resource that we, we deserve to have access to both for physical, but in uh, mental reasons. I mean, yep, absolutely. Absolutely. But after that short commercial break that we just went on there, let's get back to fly fishing. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it, you mentioned uh, uh, kind of hook set. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, I think this isn't one of those, uh, you know, that you just wait, 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 and cross their eyes unless your name's. In yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no crossing their eyes. I mean, it's uh, the only time you're going to do that is what's called a trout set. And that's when you're nymphing, and nymphing is a very fancy word for bobber fishing. Um, fly fishermen will hate that I say that, but it's bobber fishing. And, and that's where you're going to be, where you're holding the rod, you're going to be going to what they call that, you know, six to midnight, right? Yeah. But for when you're streamer fishing, um, you know, all those things I just went through with smallmouth, the best thing to actually do is to take the rod and you want a strip set. The strip set is like, imagine you're starting a chainsaw, right? You want to take the fly line and you want to pull it. And what that does is if this is the fly and it's in their mouth and you pull it, it cinches and hooks it in. Okay. Yeah. When you lift, the bass have enough time to open their mouth and it just comes right out of their mouth. So, you know, there are circumstances when you should trout set or as I call it, bass master classic setting. Yeah. Uh, um, and that would, those are a lot less rare, especially when it comes to smallmouth. I mean, you can with smallmouth with top water. Um, you know, the old saying is if you're throwing like a terrestrial or something like that, when they eat it, you're supposed to say, uh, I think they, the, the original term was you say, God save the queen, and then you set the hook. Well, I can't do that. I'm a hillbilly. So I say 1776, and then I set the hook. Or got him. <laughs> <laughs> There's one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so somebody getting started, starting out, uh, you know, I'm thinking about water conditions here. Uh, I know that in the summer when it's super, super hot, super clear, I know talking with you guys because you guys are open, you know, talking with like you, talking with Mike, and then talking with like Mark Dixon, who's on the water quite a bit as well. And it's just a great wealth of knowledge. Uh, just He's a good guy. Fishing in general. Um it seems like you guys are still really catching them good when the water's low, the water's clear. To where, you know, us conventional guys, we need a little bit of help. We need, uh, you know, uh, shade. We need, uh, uh, you know, a little bit more current, a little more this. Uh, and, and I think that's because our technique or our what we're using at the time isn't as soft and as natural as what you guys are doing. Is that is that correct? I mean, I would say most of that is correct. The one thing I would say is that we have an option to downsize in a way that you guys, I mean, you guys just can't. I mean, I think we yeah. talked about the boat show this week where there was some special rod that was throwing flies. And even then it had to be a pretty heavy um, fly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're able to, one of the things that, I specialize in is I really like what's called micro sizing things. So like the dungeon that we were talking about earlier, the original pattern, it's six inches long. 
I have micro-sized it down to where it's about two inches long. So the smaller your bait is and the lower, or I'm sorry, sorry, the lower and clearer the water is, yeah. the more chance you're going to have another fish. Okay. Um, you know, the old saying, big, big, big fly catches big fish or big lure catch big fish. Well, yeah, it's because the small ones can't eat it. Yeah. Um, that's why. Right. Now, besides that, it also really, when the water gets low, it kind of concentrates fish for us. So we read the water like, you know, the, as you've been with me in a boat, you'll come up to a section that looks great. And I'm like, nope, this is going on. This is going on. I've, I've been here. I've seen this. We're going to completely skip this. Yeah. Where somebody who maybe is not on the river a lot, it, that's a little bit harder for them to see or for them to, you know, to do. Gotcha. So, like for me, right now, all I, all I am hoping for and all I am praying for, to get out on the water, is some consecutive warm days, consecutive warm days followed by consecutive warm nights. Mm-hmm. Is that what fly fishermen are are, are praying for as well? It, it depends on the species. If you're talking about smallmouth, absolutely, because smallmouth, uh, you know, another thing that kind of goes into fly fishing, and it's it seems really weird, but we really study the fish or we try to study the fish the best we can. So for smallmouth, you know, they're, they're a warm water fish. So the warmer the water gets and the more mm-hmm. consistent um, smallmouth are very much like, you know, toddlers, right? You want consistency. You want it to be the same. Um, when there's a change, they, they go back in their house, as you would say, you know, when, when the water blows out and gets muddy, you know, I'll have clients say, well, why is it it's harder to catch them when the water's muddy? Say, well, when there's a tornado going on, do you hang out outside your house or do you stay in the house? Yeah. And that's so, um, because if you, uh, if you look at it, you know, smallmouth may eat once a day, you know, every other day or depending on what they're eating, especially the large, large ones. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we're looking at. Gotcha. So as far as, um, but now with, with trout or even like other cold water species like pike, we're, we're actually, we tend to look for it to be colder and colder. Gotcha. So it's very, it's very dependent on what is going on. Uh, It's dependent on what you're fishing for. And sometimes even where you're fishing, because sometimes there's places where um, it can run a little colder And you'll still do just as well. Or there's some places where, like, I believe there's a certain river in central Indiana (laughs) that fishes a lot better dirty than it does clear. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And so we are on the Paddle and Fin Network, and it is Kayak Fishing Podcast. Can you kind of walk us through how you utilize your your kayak? I I know... Mm -hmm. It's kind of tough to do with with clients, things like that. But if you're going out checking checking some some rivers or or, or just checking some mm-hmm. spots, kind of how do you mm-hmm. how do you utilize your kayak specifically for fly fishing? Yeah, well, so the first thing I'll tell you is uh, I don't know if you can tell on the camera, but I am six foot three, three hundred plus pounds, so I am a new canoe unlimited guy. That up, uh, <laughs> that is. That is the I bought it uh, three years ago, and um, the first summer I put, or the first yeah, the first spring and summer I put a hundred days on the water with it. Um, and so for fly fishing with well, so once 
one, I don't fish in my kayak as much as I used to because I have a raft and I guide. But anytime I'm uh, I'm scouting when I'm alone. So like when you and Ian and I went out, we were kind of scouting. So yeah. I didn't bring my kayak. But right. if I'm alone, I'm on my kayak. Um, and kayaking is one of those things that it is easier now to get into fly fishing because of how kayaks are set up now than ever. And whether you fish old town, bona fide, native, new canoe, um, wilderness systems, you know, they're all set up to help you. You can fly fish out of them. So what I'm looking for, how I set up my kayak for fly fishing is very, very simple. So take whatever kayak you own and every accessory you have on it, take it off. So with fly fishing, we're not casting with the weight of the fly or the lure or the bait. We're casting with the weight of the line. So that line is all over. Anything that's sticking up, it can and will get caught on. So on my Unlimited, New Canoe Unlimited, uh, Army Camo, I literally have my paddle, my seat, and my black pack that goes on the back. That's it. There's nothing else. There's no rod holders. There's no paddle holder would i love all those things absolutely but you don't want your line to get tangled up on anything um you know a lot of times you know people think about standing up in their kayak to fly fish it's really not necessary with the new kayaks yeah um now if you're getting into some kayaks that what would be considered like more economic or um, not premium kayaks, which there's nothing wrong with those kayaks there's a perfect time and place for those um, but with those, you're really mainly going to have to get out to fish in because of stability. The One of the things that drew me to my Unlimited was when I demoed it three years ago. I believe I actually demoed it with either you or Richie. I'm going to go with you because I like you more. Um, <laughs> but I actually practiced casting standing up in it, then sat in the seat and realized how high I sat up, and I never yeah. stood up again. Now, do you find yourself uh... – you find yourself clipping uh, the kayak to you and doing any waiting, or are you 100% in the kayak 100% of the time, or or is it a mix, or depending on what time of year it is? So the first time, uh, first couple times I ever went out, I used to fish the Wildcat a lot, and the Wildcat is infamous for being super low water, which means trash. there's bunch of, bunch of trash yeah. but then there was like random holes because the water gets so low the bass stick into them so when i first started fishing with them i would kind of paddle somewhere and then i would get out and then i would fish and wait and i'd get back in and go down and i realized with the boat specifically i was using that was a waste of energy uh -huh. so now if like if you and i went out kayak fishing tomorrow my goal is to not ever get out of the kayak really you know, I really try to stay in, stay in it. I use an anchor wizard, which was something I forgot to say. I use an anchor wizard so I can kind of anchor myself and be wherever I'm at. Um, it's just a lot more comfortable and easy for me to stay in the boat. And honestly, you know, like I said, I'm a big guy. Like yeah. um, every time I have to get out of that boat, it's, it's me getting up and moving around and, and you have to be careful about slipping and stuff like that. Or I could just stay on the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I would tell you, if I had a boat that was much less comfortable, um, you know, specifics, yeah, yeah, I'd be getting out a lot. Yeah. Um, probably my first kayak when I was younger or when I borrowed somebody's kayak, um, I would be getting out a, a lot. 
but because of how comfortable the one I have now, which, you know, almost all premium kayaks anymore are extremely comfortable. Yeah. But I'm biased because I own an unlimited. <laughs> Most people are once you, once you, once you go new canoe, once you go with that, unlimited, yeah. man, it's, it's pretty sweet setup for more well, I think, reasons. Yeah. Well, I think when I came to demo, I had to fill out an application and my height and weight automatically put me in the <laughs> so. No, we profiled you for sure. You 100% <laughs> profiled, right? I was like, I want to do a, a Pongo. Nope. You're <laughs> yeah. over here, the unlimited, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, you know, I, I guess I guess really the moral of the story is there, there's don't don't be intimidated to get out on, on your kayak and, and do a little fly fishing. And, and uh, is there because you're in a kayak, do you do you go with a small like a shorter rod, or, or are you just is what it is? I'm I'm fishing my way. This is how I'm comfortable. Or yeah, so it just kind of depends what you're fishing for. Um, if you're in a kayak fishing for trout, you may still be using a smaller rod for yeah. you know different reasons. But I can't think of a time where I wasn't fishing a nine foot or a nine and a half foot rod. Um, so you're not in, in my kayak specifically just because you're in a kayak. You're not taking a a seven foot or an eight foot rod. You're you're still taking your your favorite rod and reel setup, line setup, and all of that. So you're not doing anything special that you wouldn't do in a raft or anything. Yeah, absolutely correct. I mean, I even, so when, when I used to really kayak a lot, I always took two rods with me. I took a streamer rod and then I used to take my like 10 foot five weight um, topwater rod. And so I'd use that to throw like plop, poppers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the one thing I will say that kayak fishing really showed me how important was, was a net. Yeah. Nets. I mean, I, I have not owned a net outside of trout fishing my entire life. I mean, even when we used to go carp fishing, you just, yep. you get it, you get it on the thing and you grab it or whatever. Yep. But I've had multiple 19 inch plus bass that I've reached down to grab. Doink. And, and, and yeah, it just breaks the line, yep. just, you know, kicks it right off or breaks the line or kicks the hook out. And uh, a net is super helpful, especially, and it's, I'm going to be honest, it's safer, safer for you and safer for the fish. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people try to grab a fish and they don't grab it and then they shoot down and it snaps the rod or yeah. they flip the boat. Um, it, it, it doesn't need to be a monster. I'm very, very blessed that, Matt, you turned me on to so a great net that I cannot wait to take out. Yeah. It's for pike, so it is definitely on the large size. But Do not take that kayak fishing. Yeah. But the net that you use by the same company is like perfect. Yeah. If I remember correctly, it's probably only a foot long handle on it. Yep, RS nets. Uh, you know, check them out. Yeah, I've I've been using that. So I I actually had the opposite uh, happen to me with nets uh, when I first started kayak fishing. I was continuously either missing fish or knocking the fish off uh, mm -hmm. by by hitting the lure out of their mouth. Um, I have now changed my ways and I am back to being a net man. So, uh, that's our, our, I, and I, and I think you really hit on it too. It's, uh, it, it's really good for the fish to, you can do fish revivals, uh, yes. and, and things like that. So it, it's, especially in the summertime, uh, when there's been a, a, you know, a big fight by smallmouth, especially some of those larger smallmouth. I mean, those are our resources. Those are, those yeah. are old fish, you know, especially here in the Midwest. Uh, they don't have a whole lot of grow time. 
Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, 17, 18 inch fish is a mature fish up here. So, uh, you know, I've, I've really been extremely, I've always been extremely cautious with it. Uh, but I've been getting more and more cautious of, of handling those fish and really the revival portion, especially in warmer water. Mm. So we had a guest speaker that came the day after the Heartland show and his name was Stu Neville or Neville. I believe it's Neville. And he's a musky guide up at um, Hayward fly fishing. Uh, they're, they're, he's a great guy. But he said something to me that really has stuck with me. He's like, if we're going to practice catch and release, then we might as well release a, a living fish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, saying that, I was like, well, that makes, you know, and, and what he was specifically talking about was water condition and temperature and reviving the fish. Um, when he catches, you know, a 45-inch muskie, as soon as he catches it, he doesn't unhook it and throw it in. It's going to go belly up. Yep. You, you take that, you use your net, and you use it to revive the fish. Yep. Um, and smallmouth is a, is a great example. I mean, you get them into some faster moving water, just hold, and it takes an extra 10 or 15 seconds. Yep. Especially if you're doing, um, so, you know, like when I'm guiding, sometimes we catch a fish and we take it and we hold it up and we do a picture. So we're keeping it out of the water a little bit. Um, if you're doing, you know, turning stuff, you're having to put it on a catch board and take a picture of it. Just take an extra 15 seconds, revive that fish. And, uh, it, it, it just, it helps it so much. And, and where I really noticed it was getting more into uh, streamer fishing for trout and even pike. Um, as you saw when we released Ian's, you know, monster fish, we sat there and revived it for a few minutes before yep. he took off. I mean, it's a lot of fish. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And that, that's also one thing that, that I've always respected about fly guys is, Hey, uh, you know, we we need to respect this resource. Uh, <laughs> do you do you appreciate that? Do you? I, I do to a point. You, yeah. I, I will say sometimes you guys take it to to a little bit of an extreme for me, but no, I agree. I, I, I agree. I, I do appreciate it uh, because I I am very much that way. Um, you know, I want to make sure that that the resources are there for for others to use and uh, others in the future to use. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, you know, I'm probably not going to keep a small mouth, but I'll keep some fish uh, one or two times a year and I'm going to fry them up and I'm going to enjoy them. And, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, you know, the, the stereotypical fly fisherman does all catch and release because it's yeah. pure and it's great. And, it, you know, if we, you and I have talked to it before, if we really want to do what is absolutely best for these fish, probably wouldn't be fishing for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to hook them in the face. Right. Um, but, you know, you know, that is a big part of our community. And I mean, don't sell yourself short because like I know IKA and Grubby do, oh my God, they do so many river cleanups. Um, it's pretty awesome. You know what I mean? You know, the the organizations coming together have really been doing a great job of helping with our rivers. Yeah. You know, I'll say that with the White River here, um, you know, with, with them having multiple cleanups a year, uh, the resource is just better. It's better yeah. for everybody. Um, so, yeah. and again, that's something Mike helps sponsor, and yeah. um, you know, you, you may not always see him on it, but he's he's always involved. Yep, yep, absolutely. One thing I want to hit on, you know, as we're going into the hour here, uh, is what kind of got you into tying your own flies. So that is actually a really great and deep question right 
So the guy who taught me how to fly fish, uh, I, I was self-taught. Both my parents, um, they don't like the outdoors at all. So I'm, you know, I think I'm the mailman's kid. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but the guy who taught me how to tie, actually, I joined a cigar club when I was 18 at a place called Pipe Puffers. And there was a guy named Steve Bates. And I was like, yeah, I fly fish. He was like, oh, great. And so he took me fly fishing, an older gentleman. He saw me fly fish and he said, you do not fly fish. <laughs> so he taught me how to fly fish. And um, for my graduation gift, he gave me a fly tying kit that I still have to this day. And he said, here's these two flies. Figure it out. I don't care. I don't care how you do it. Figure it out. Tie these flies. You tie these flies for me. I'll tie the rest. And I basically tied those two flies for a very long time. Started catching fish on it that really, um, I, it just, it, it, when you catch something on a fly that you make, there's a sense of accomplishment. Like you tricked that fish um, to catch that. And so as he got older, there's more and more flies he couldn't tie. Um, in the last few years, he gave me all of his fly tying stuff because he's, officially cannot tie anymore and he always gave me feedback on flies and everything like that and i started to get more and more success and um and then honestly for somebody you know for my mental health tying has been um a lifesaver not to be like funny and all that stuff no. i know it sounds corny yeah. right no. but um you know as a guy you know we talk about like mental health and stuff it's okay to not be okay and it, mm -hmm. tying is one of those things that quiets noise in my head yeah. and um there's just something soothing about it where i can come to the bench and turn everything off and tie and um and then you know recently mike and a couple other people really pushed me to start my own business to tie my own flies and and people want them so now something that helps me as a person something that i use for my guiding business is now helping me with income for you know this 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 thing that keeps me calm yeah what a tremendous story man that, that's so great and i get it i mean i'm sitting in my quasi office here and yeah like it, it you know it's not flies yeah. but yeah i make my own stuff man and then you come here, it's the same thing. So I'm sitting here at my desk and my entire yeah, and like I was grabbing so all my yeah. stuff is here. So I haven't bought one of these things. I don't know what Yeah. I you know, it I go like this. <laughs> That's about all I can do with it right now, but we'll fix that. We'll fix that. Oh yeah. It's just uh yeah, it, it's just it's just so funny to think about like me at 18 with this little wooden box tying flies to kind of where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, it's just pretty cool. And it's, it's, it's something I owe everything to, to, a, to a guy named Steve Bates. So that's awesome. What a great story. So if people want, you know, if they want to buy some flies off of you, where, how, all of that stuff, where, where can they get a hold of you, man? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple different places uh, you can get a hold of me at, um, you can, of course, on Instagram, my Instagram is fight in as in the letter in flies. Um, really funny story came up Well, first I was going to be calling myself, you know, like Matt and that all guide service and my buddies and I had a bunch of beers. He was like, that's stupid. And we came up with fighting flies. Give yourself a fighting chance at like one in the morning. So we thought yeah. it was a hoot. 
So you can look me up on Instagram there and you can DM me. You actually can see the flies that I tie and actually see videos and tutorials on how to tie flies. Um, you can also see it on Moving Water Instagram page as well. Uh, I manage a lot of the um, social media and do fly tying videos on there as well. You can call me on my personal cell um, for tying flies or even a guided trip at uh, 317-847-9141. And you can always call and reach me at the shop and feel free. Like you don't have to, you, you don't have to text or call me to ask me to buy something. If you have a question or need help something or need some guidance, just, just hit me up. We're here to help each other. Um, I'm never going to say no to helping somebody on the phone. If I, if I can. No, I can, I can attest to that. You've, you've definitely uh, answered my call and uh, when I've had questions about things and, yeah, I, anybody that's even close here to uh, to the Indianapolis area, I would highly suggest you get a hold of the folks at Moving Water Outfitters. Uh, go fishing with Matt, go fishing with Mike, and go fishing with Mark. Uh, you're going to get three different viewpoints, and, <laughs> but you are going to learn every bit of that time that you're on the water with these guys. I know Mark and Mark, uh, you know, he, he – he's opened up to some, uh, some conventional stuff. Uh, you know, I know that you guys, uh, are, are also open to that as well, uh, but really specialize in fly fishing. So if you want to learn, uh, th there's no better way than, than to get out there and somebody like Matt, Mark, or Mike, they can, they can, uh, uh take that learning curve from, uh, you know, months to you know, hours. So, uh, really look at, into that. Um, any other shout outs anybody else you want to thank any other sponsors anything anything else you want to mention before we jump um on? yeah i mean so uh i mean the only I, I don't really have sponsors or things like that because i everything i do is through the shop so you know i always want to thank moving waters and mike he's been great to me and my family um you know i'm trying to think of anybody else really i mean actually you know a huge shout out to like you and the kayak team, because as a guy who doesn't, you know, conventional fish at all, and I have no idea about half the stuff you're talking about, um, you've always been really good and friendly to me. Um, I would say thank you to, like, Outcast Sporting Gear. So, actually, they are one of my, I guess I'm an ambassador. I don't know what you call it, ambassador. I feel embarrassed saying it, but yeah. um, they have helped put me in a raft um, so that That's I can make money. Too, yeah, and, and, it's, and as a big guy, it's comfortable, isn't it? Yep. And that's what's important. Um, and thanks to, you know, Farbanks, which, uh, you know, the, the rep is, uh, Ben hunting. Um, he's really done awesome stuff to help me out with gear and help me with, uh, gear and stuff I get through all through the shops. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of really, I already mentioned Jeff Conrad earlier cause he really helped me a lot and Steve Bates as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of about it. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate your time. I'm going to drop you off here. Say goodbye to everybody. Um, again, thank you uh, for, for everything. And uh, yeah, man, uh, thanks for, for teaching us a little bit about fly fishing, uh, kind of a crash course uh, in an hour here, but um, looking forward to getting on the water with you. And, uh, might even might even get out smallmouth fishing with you this year. So. Yeah, that'd be I I can't wait to get out fishing with you more. I know we'll get there one way or another. So <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm gonna drop you out of here. Uh, so appreciate it, Matt. Thank you uh, for your time and, and thank you for for coming on the, the Noob Show. Yeah, anytime. See you, bud. Hey, see ya.
So Matt Nuttall from Moving Water Outfitters. Uh, something to, to remind you all about, April 27th, 28th. Again, April 27th, 28th, Paddle and Finn will be at Del Hollow. It's going to be a smallmouth bash. It's always a great time from what I hear. I'll actually be there. I know John Raff will be there. Uh, I even heard Brian the Thriller Schiller will be there as well. Uh, so sign up for that uh, on Tourney X. Uh, get all your reservations in. And I uh, just want to thank all you guys for, for listening. Uh, and and we'll, we'll catch you next time. We'll see you.